Do we have to wake up now? Yes. Why? Because it's a nice day. Oh, it's a nice day? Yes. Can't you just sleep on a nice day? No. No, why not? Because it's morning time. It's morning time? Yes. It's early. Why? Well, well, it's not dark, I die. That's true. It's not dark outside. Yeah. That's why we got to wake up. Hello, Meanwhile listeners. This is Michael Melcher, and today we're going to talk about a cool idea called social contagion. Seems creepy, but actually it will help you uh, turn your life into the life that you want it to be. And let me start with a little story. So as dedicated listeners of Meanwhile know, I frequently talk about my adorable, perfect, identical twin sons and how they came into being. And you occasionally hear from them in various little clips that I lovingly insert into the podcast. And I talked before about how it took me approximately 20 years to finally become a father. One aspect of this was that I was waiting for somebody to give me permission or persuade me, and that when I finally stopped doing that, I got on the road to becoming a father. But there was another key moment. It happened maybe in 2013, when I woke up and just minding my own business, turned on my phone, and saw a group text from a friend of mine, Adam, who is the only other person from my high school who ended up in New York City, being from Southern California. That was kind of an unusual place to go. And the text was, Brian and I are thrilled to announce the arrival of our son, Milo, who was born blah, 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 weighing blah, 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 and measuring blah, 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 with adorable photos. And I thought, what? I didn't know you were having a baby. I'd never heard you talk about this. I had no idea you were going to do this through surrogacy. And how dare you get ahead of me because you're younger than me. I better get on it. It was like a real wake-up call. And after that, I immediately called him, and then I tramped down to below 14th Street where he lived in his cool apartment. And I visited said baby when the baby was only three or four days old, which I now realize gives you huge credit. And I got advice from Adam on how they did it. And he gave me some coaching goals of talking to four agencies, too large, too small, and getting on the road of action, which I did. And then eventually I was successful in the whole thing. The lesson there is that when I had this personal connection, then all of a sudden it became really real and I moved into action. And it is an example of something we're going to call social contagion. So let's get into it. As I mentioned before, there are a lot of studies about how social networks work. Like we can think of the people we know and the friendships we have and the relationships as this kind of casual, um, ordinary thing. But it is actually the subject of a lot of academic research, and it's been going on for 40 years or so. Previously, I talked about Mark Granovetter, who as a grad student at Stanford in the 70s came up with this idea of the strength of weak ties, which basically says that the people you don't associate with frequently and that you don't know that well can be much more important to you in career, business, how you want to change your life, and so forth. And other theorists includes George Kritsakis, 
who writes about how social networks function, and in particular about this idea of social contagion. So what social contagion means is that your networks, the people you know, have an impact on you. That what you do, and even who you are, is determined in part by your network. And this is kind of something that any concerned parent might think about when observing their children hanging out with the wrong crowd. Like, you want your children to hang out with the young Michael Melchers of the world, because he's going places. Ah, mom, dad, that guy's such a nerd, and he's not good at sports. Oh, but just wait, you'll see. He'll be a big success one day. Um, Don't hang out with those smokers who hang out in the quad. That's the basic idea. But the thing about social contagion is that it's not just your immediate circle, it's your friends, friends, friends that also have an impact on you. And I'll talk more about how this works later, but let's go immediately to an exercise and show how you can apply this to your very own life. So this is a two-part exercise. Uh, Part one is setting the vision or the goal, and part two is looking at your network. All right, part one. First thing is to think of some potential goals for yourself. Really, things that are important to you, that could be cool, that you might like to achieve, that seem pretty big for you, wherever you are. It might be save money and become financially secure. It could be get into shape, lose weight, get muscly, write a book, get a PhD, live overseas, maybe develop a spiritual practice, become politically active, you know, what have you. Develop better relationships with family members, who knows. But it should be something that is compelling to you, and there's a good chance you're not sure you can really achieve it. But still, I want you to write these down. So think of those goals. And if you want, you can use some additional cues. An additional cue could be to complete the following sentence. If I really wanted to, I would dot, 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 dot. It might seem crazy, but I would like to dot, 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 dot. Or I haven't really worked out all the details, but I'm really attracted by the idea of dot, dot, dot. I'll repeat them. If I wanted to, I would, it might seem crazy, but I would like to, I haven't really worked out all the details, but I am really attracted by the idea of blank. These are the glimmer zone things where you might have some initial inkling. You're not really sure how it's going to get there, uh, but but there's something there. So I did this exercise recently, and some of the goals I chose using the first prompt was, if I really wanted to, I would write a series of books on career and leadership. If I really wanted to, I would write a memoir about being a gay dad and all the amazing insights I have about life. If I really wanted to, I would go and live overseas with my kids for a couple years in some fun place. If I really wanted to, I would be on television. If I really wanted to, I would become an expert at yoga, really learn what all those spirals and alignments and so forth are, and in addition, live a kind of super healthy natural, possibly vegan-ish lifestyle and sleep really well every night and wake up with the sun and so forth. If I really wanted to, I would create a coaching certification course and train other people to do what I do. Okay, so that was my list. I just journaled it for a while. But, you know, come up with your list. And then you want to 
identify which of those really give you energy. And there will probably be one or two. For me, it is right now the write a series of books, possibly write a memoir, and this idea of living overseas with my kids. That's part one. Now move on to part two, which is you list the people you know or would like to know or the type of people you would like to know who operate in this sphere. It may be that there are people in your life who actually are doing the things that are on your goal list, or maybe that you don't know anybody like that. So you have to be a little bit speculative and either think of strangers whose names you know, such as famous people in the field, or a type of person that might fit the bill. So let's look at my example, write a series of books on career and leadership. Well, I know a few people who write books. I know Gretchen Rubin. I know Marcy Albaher. I know Tim Branters, who is my editor for The Creative Lawyer. I know Molly Lyons, who was an agent for many years. I know her successor agent. I am connected through other people to a number of writers. I know this famous business guy named John Katzenbach. Not very well, but you know, I could get in contact with some people. And I sort of know the type of person who might be writing these books. As I was doing this, I realized that there's another resource, which are writers that I don't know, but who are accessible through things like podcasts. So I recently started listening to this podcast by these two women writers um, that focus on the process of writing. Their tagline is, get your butt in the chair and your head in the game. And each episode, they either talk about writing or talk to somebody who's a writer. And I thought, you know, I need to dump all these other podcasts I'm listening to and just listen to the podcasts of people who are in this writing world, because after a while, that vocabulary starts becoming my vocabulary. So the idea is you you keep on adding people who are in these worlds. And then the next step is you try to move more in those worlds. In other words, hang out with those crowds and be more involved in what they're doing. All right, so let's talk about how this works. Why is it that social contagion is so effective? Well, let me start with a question for you. Do you know any good-looking gay guys? Well, the answer is, if you know any gay guys, you know some good-looking gay guys. As every modern person knows, gay men, particularly in urban areas, tend to be really good-looking. Now, is this because we have some special genetic differentiator that makes us handsome or gives us more discipline? No, it's really a social contagion thing. Uh, You could talk to any urban gay man and ask him, could you explain to me the paleo diet? What do you think of carbs? What is the difference between Atkins and South Beach? And I would wager that 90% of them can effectively answer that question. And further, all of them probably know people that have been on these diets and shed lots of weight and stayed fit uh, well into their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every urban gay guy knows someone of his own age who is super fit and super hot and seems to do it while doing everything else, like working and clubbing and even those who have kids. The knowledge of how to be fit and look good is transmitted across the gay world. This actually isn't limited to attractive homosexual men. It's also something that's found in lots of businesses. So in a lot of urban areas, you might notice that certain immigrant or ethnic groups can predominate in certain businesses. 
For example, in New York for a long time, it was a kind of cliche that most of the corner markets were run by Koreans, as were a lot of dry cleaners. There's also a large Indian or South Asian presence in the same market. But this apparently happens across all kinds of businesses. For example, short-haul trucking is dominated by people from Barbados. High-end baby nurses who deal with twins and multiples seem to be primarily dominated by women from Jamaica and Trinidad. How does this work? Well, what happens is that if you are in a particular network, information transmits really effectively. So if, for example, you are a Korean recent immigrant and are thinking about going into business, you can get a lot of information really quickly about how to be effective in a business through an ethnic or language network. And the same could be true of uh, baby nursing or any other type of job. You get the information and you also see what a viable business might, might be. So that is one reason that social contagion works is that you are transmitting information. But another thing is that you're seeing that things are possible for somebody like you, um, based on how you're relating to these people. So when my friend Adam, who is a few years younger than me, but has a lot of similar demographic characteristics to me, suddenly announced that he and his partner had a kid, then all of a sudden it became really clear that I did. Uh, my mom, for example, years ago, suddenly became very effective in dieting when she ran into a former secretary of hers named Crystal, who had done Jenny Craig and had really amazing results. And then with a snap of fingers, my mom seemed to lose like 30 pounds on the same track. So there's something about personal connections that make us feel that things are possible. If you want to go and live overseas, then start hanging out with people who have made that decision to go live overseas or who've done it before and come back. It really can apply to to anything. And it seems really obvious once you, once you hear it, that if you hang out with the kind of people who have the interests that you have, you are probably going to achieve similar results or be a lot more likely to, to get there. There are a few other examples of how social contagion works in addition to gay men becoming fit and dressing well. Uh, Dartmouth students apparently infect one another with their study habits, either positively or negatively. People in New York City walk 25% faster than almost any other city in the world because everyone else is doing the same. And the list kind of goes on and on. I use this idea now in my coaching, particularly when somebody wants to develop a skill set that is not associated with his or her profession. For example, these days there is a significant demand by law firms for business development coaching for their lawyers. Because if you are a lawyer, once you get to a certain level, you have to be able to bring in business. But typically, this is something that no one has ever been trained to do. And to some degree, people go to law school because they don't want to deal with business. But, you know, there you are. One of the keys to getting better at this is either to start hanging out with lawyers who seem to be good at this or hanging out with non-lawyers who are good at this. If you are a lawyer who doesn't want to do biz dev and you surround yourself by other lawyers who also don't want to do biz dev and aren't any good at it, you're probably not going to get any better. But if you start hanging out with people who work in tech or do nonprofit fundraising or have dog walking businesses or do banking or do sales at Equinox, you're probably going to start adopting some of their perspectives and practices and getting better at what you're doing. All right, so now let's move into 
how do you execute on this? Well, you have your goal list. Look at the ones that speak to you. You then figure out who you know. And you can supplement this by asking friends or family members, all right, if I wanted to get more into this world, who should I start hanging out with? You can also ask what types of experiences should I start having? So for instance, if I want to get further into the depths of podcasting, well, I guess I could go to a podcasting convention. Or I could talk to people who focus on social media marketing and getting your word out and connecting podcasters with other podcasters and ask her, how can I get further into this field? Or I suppose I could take a class or I could reach out to people who have podcasts that I like, which I did recently when I just kind of reached out to the Happier in Hollywood duo and said, hey, you should have me on my podcast. And then they did. The name of the game is to experiment. One final idea I want to bring up is that when you start changing your social network and inviting the social contagion and taking these experiments, there's a chance that you're going to have a mixture of feelings. It's not necessarily the case that everything is going to feel wonderful immediately. Because usually when we change, we will run into the reasons that have stopped us from changing to date. So it is a complex process. And when you enter a new network, it's not necessarily the case that you will love everything about that network. So as I was listening to this podcast about writers, I had ambivalent feelings. Some of the topics I felt were really interesting. Others I found myself reacting to. Uh, There was a book coach on there who described her process, and I thought, that's not really coaching, that's advising. Um, And I don't think you should use the word coach to describe yourself. They seem to operate in a like female-only zone where all the references were to women and there was kind of no acknowledgement about the existence of men. There was a lot of discussion of mom writing and mom writing blogs and what have you, which I kind of identify as a mom, but I didn't really feel included in that discussion. But, you know, anyway, I was also observing myself having these reactions because one thing I've learned is you got to kind of both have honest reactions to things, but also step away from them and see how you're reacting. Because I could sort of see myself either going in the direction of, all right, let me stay in this network and keep listening and see what I can learn. Or I could see myself going in the direction of, these people bug me, so I'm going to stop listening to this. And guess what? It's a first direction that is what I need in my life right now. So I pulled back on that second aversive type reaction. Anyway, you're going to have a mixture of feelings when you do experiments. But if you want to develop in a particular area, you got to stay in that network and keep inviting that social contagion and take some of the less appealing elements along with the ones that are really going to get you somewhere. You know what? I think that's enough for now. So go out, everyone. Contaminate yourselves in the areas that are interesting for you. And Let me know how it goes. I will talk to you again soon. This is Michael Melcher with Meanwhile, and I love sharing with you, all of you. All right, bye. (laughs) 